Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. Celebrating the amazing people of coastal Mississippi and across this great state who are working hard to make this a great place to live, work, and play. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show, where we celebrate the people who make coastal Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. And one of the one of the guys who contributes to that is my friend Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com, who joins me here on the show to talk about the Saints. Uh, he's coming to us from the Saints facility, so you may hear some noise in the background, but uh, we'll talk about the latest. How you doing, my friend? Doing good, Ricky. Getting ready to go out for another Saints training camp workout, and we're going indoors today, which is... Uh, a nice uh, change in the schedule considering this historic heat that we're all trying to fight. So uh, very grateful this morning. Yeah, I know that the Players Association sort of limits how they start to ramp up. But uh, for the most part, has the team weathered the, the, the heat so far? Well, I think as well as you could expect in this heat and these conditions, you know, they uh, had a player yesterday, Tony Pride, who kind of went down with some heat-related uh, situation. And he came back to practice after getting an IV uh, they do have a lot of, uh, obviously, they're very mindful of it. They have a, a cooling trailer. I think the temperature's in the low 30s there for the the players to go into and get a break before they uh, come back out mid-practice. So there's lots of ways they try and fight it, but I, I think it's smart to take it indoors today. I mean, uh, there's no fans at the practice today, and uh, I think in the future they're going to at least cut the practices in half to where half the time they're outdoors so fans can see it, see the players, and then the other half they move indoors. I think just to, just to be safe, uh, there's no reason in these, in these conditions to be out there for longer than an hour. Isn't Tony Pride the guy who, who created a bit of a memorable moment with uh, Graham when uh, Graham caught that pass? Is that, is that the same guy that I'm thinking of? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Graham lowered his shoulder and uh, ran him over. And uh, then there was a lot of chirping going on because, I mean, you're not supposed to do that. In, in Tony Pride's defense, uh, it's non-tackling uh, uh, practice right th- at that moment. And so I think he let Jimmy Graham know uh, that he was a little out of line there. <laughs> Graham, though, you know, I, I, as you always warn us, don't get too excited too early. You know, this is it is the the early days of training camp, but he did. It does appear he came to training camp ready to go. Yeah, yeah, he's in great shape. Uh, he didn't tell us what weight he's at. He said he played previously at around two eighty, which is you know, a lot heavier than he is now. I bet he's around two fifty, two fifty five. Looks lean. I think that's smart. I mean, he said Tony Gonzalez, you know, the Hall of Famer told him as you get up in your 30s, it's best to be light. Take some of that wear and tear off your joints at that age. And you can see it. He's moving around great. And uh, I think the year off actually has him refreshed. He said as much. Uh, I don't know what exactly his role is going to be. I think they're trying to determine that as they go through these training camp workouts. But uh, he looks as good as you could expect from a guy that hasn't played football in over a year. It's it's really really amazing to see that. You know, I know that we've had um, had an injury or two, but for the most part, we're we're kind of weathering the initial storm of uh, training camp, aren't we? Yeah, knock on wood there, because uh, this is about the time of year. I mean, the time of camp when 
when players' bodies do start breaking down. The, the Saints have an incredible uh, training and conditioning team. They monitor everything. Uh, and so far, they've been, been able to avoid some of those soft tissue injuries, which often crop up about this time a week into camp. Uh, so let's see if uh, they can continue that good good run they've got because this is not the time of year where you want to lose a guy uh, during during the middle of uh, of August. Hey, listen, uh, I'm not exactly sure when this is airing. It could be Thursday. It could be Friday. Uh, we may we may push for this to be Thursday just so that it's more timely. We're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, what's important about that date is that Alvin Kamara is meeting with NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell today. And what's really important for our listeners to know is that Jeff Duncan broke the story. <laughs> He's the guy who broke the story that that's happening. But tell them how that came about because that just shows you the nose of a, of a reporter and how that all came together. Yeah, we were actually just out in the uh, Saints team facility parking lot. Um, other reporters and myself having a uh, kind of a powwow session to discuss our coverage. And uh, he came into the parking lot and walked by us and just basically offered up that he because he hasn't talked to the media so far from the start of camp, which is unusual for a player of his profile. I mean, he's one of the biggest, if not the biggest star on the team. And he just basically told us, hey, I'll get you guys after I talk to Roger. Uh, and we were kind of surprised to hear that when one of us followed up. He said, no, for real, I'm going to go talk to him. So we knew that that was going to be a big story. And he's flying up there. This is Wednesday morning. We're recording this. He's probably in the air right now on Gail Benson's private jet uh, flying up to to meet with Goodell, and we'll see what happens with it. But I think it's a smart move. Have you heard any? Are there any? Um, have you get, been able to get any nuggets to what he might say? No, I think he's going to. You know, he's getting a lot of counsel from people inside the building. General Manager Mickey Loomis, I know, has met with him a couple of times, and I'm sure he's going to be contrite. I mean, I, I think he's probably going to try and explain the situation to Roger Goodell. Whether it works or not, I don't know, but I think it's worth. I mean, there's no downside to it. Uh, you know, I think from the league's perspective, uh, you know, I think they will look at that as a smart, proactive move that he's willing to do that. But I think a lot's going to come down to, you know, the, the fact that if they try and set a precedent here and that's what the league has to look at. I mean, is, is every player that's involved in a disciplinary hearing now going to start flying up to meet in person? And, uh, you know, they have these policies in place for a reason. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be difficult for him to reduce it. But I do think one thing he's got going in his favor is that this is the only incident he's had off the field in his career. And I think that has to weigh into the, the decision. And it's a doesn't the, the Players Association have sort of this tenuous situation related to this? I mean, anytime there's disciplinary action, whether they get the credit or whether he gets the credit, where, how does that play out? Well, I mean, they're, they're definitely involved in all this. I mean, they, they, they represent the players. So, yeah, they're going to want to – they're going to be lobbying the league and the disciplinary hearings. What's interesting about it, Ricky, is that really Roger Goodell doesn't handle discipline anymore in the league. It's, right. Uh, it's right. a whole separate department now that handles that. Uh, I know a lot of people like to kick around Roger Goodell and blame him for all these decisions, but really they, they took that out of his hands – uh, a few years ago, and he has a, he has John Runyon and other officers, Troy Vincent, that handle that. Uh, but obviously, he's a commissioner and player of Alvin Kamara's <clears throat> profile. Is certainly he's going to have influence on that decision. But uh, normally, he would not even be involved in this.
So as far as you know, it's one-on-one, but probably it won't be one-on-one. I would think there would be other people in the room. I mean, just you wouldn't want a conversation like that to not have witnesses. I mean, how, how does that play out, you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the league council, Jeff Pash, will be in there. Uh, and I'm sure someone from the NFL Players Association will be there as well, including probably uh, Alvin Kamara's agent. Uh, I'm sure he's not going in there by himself. There's no question about it. We'll see. how. Look, I, I, I think it's a worthwhile endeavor. I don't know how successful it'll be because if you're Roger Goodell and you show leniency or if you're the league and you show leniency on something like this, you, you set a precedent and then other players, other teams are going to want the same treatment. And that's the problem when you have, when you represent 32 teams, uh, you, you know, if you're the, put it, put it, put it to you this way, Ricky, if this were the running back for the Falcons or the Panthers would saints fans and the saints want the league to go light on them and, and make a precedent? No. So, you know, you have to look at it that way if, from the other, other players and teams perspective. And it's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting scenario. And last, last point I'll say is that as we all know, um, Alvin Kamara throughout his tenure in, in New Orleans has been a leader. He's been someone who has been philosophical and smart and well-read and kind of his own man. And he wasn't the kind of guy that would get in trouble. And he was a leader. So when this happened during the Pro Bowl, it was such so uncharacteristic as you've helped us you know, better understand. And while the videos that came out of that, both in both in front of the elevator and then of course afterwards at the and the taxi, um, while those may seem more incriminating than usual, what we don't know, we really don't know the the circumstances that led up to it and the, you know, there's a lot we don't know. So still think probably four to six weeks, don't you? Yeah, I would, I would think somewhere in there, uh, but I really hesitate to guess because it is such a unique situation and, uh, you know, Kamara's history of not having issues. Uh, I do think the smartest thing you can do is go up there and admit he did it, say he was sorry, be contrite, and talk about trying to be better and understand he made a mistake. I think that's the first step in anything like this to try and get any kind of leniency. Yes. Yeah, so for the Facebook and YouTube audience and the Sun, and the uh, Super Talk TV audience that uh, the folks are watching across the state, you can see that Jeff is actually in a familiar spot right now with the auctioner and Saints uh, logos behind him. This is, I guess, the, the media room where they do their press conferences. Um, when we come back on the other side, I'm curious about, as Jeff sits there, what is he looking at? <laughs> I'm sure that there are reporters that are probably coming in and out of there. He's, uh, it's amazing that we have such a good reception and that he's able to get this done with, I'm sure, some, a lot of potential disruption in that room. But And then we'll get his, the high points of what he's seen so far. We'll see you after this. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of the Ricky Matthews Show on your laptop, desktop, or your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. His passion and love for coastal Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. 
Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. Thank you very much for kind of bearing with us. I, you know, as we are trying to pre-record some shows and do some other things that accommodate uh, my mother's funeral. Unfortunately, my mother passed away this past weekend, and uh, we're going to honor her life. And I've tried to, you know, as I've always done in my career and what I've what I, the way I approach my work is that I always feel like kind of life goes on, and I I'm not uh, you know I've tried to keep the shows rolling, but um, uh, on Thursday, we you know won't be recording any shows on Thursday just because we have a lot of family in town and we'll be honoring my mom's life. So appreciate you kind of hanging in there with us as we uh, had to change some of the recording sequences to accommodate that this kind of strange week for me. Hey Jeff, coming back to you, my friend. Um, you uh, what you looking at? What do you see in that room right now as you as you are in the Saints media room at training camp? Well, we're in the uh, interview room where normally you'd see like a Dennis Allen or Mickey Loomis press conference. They don't really use this room that much. Uh, it's probably as much as they anticipated when they made made this room in the renovation. Uh, but right now, just a few of my colleagues setting up, getting ready uh, to go out on the in the indoor facility, getting away from Doug Mouton, Ricardo Lecomp, <laughs> Sharik Ashak, all these guys probably annoyed that I'm in here interrupting their workflow. <laughs> <laughs> and they have, they're, they're throwing their 10 cents in for sure. All those terrific reporters, I might add. Yeah, nobody's snarky in this media core at all. Nobody. Yeah, I know. Y'all, y'all yeah. I mean, the listen, the core of that group is as good as it's been. So it's good to have you guys with the camaraderie. It really is a lot of team building that goes on in the media core, isn't there? Oh, yeah, very much so. We've all covered this team for a long time, and we're all kind of in it together, to be honest with you. Uh, we kind of fight for each other. Uh, we have to we have to look out for each other in a lot of these endeavors to try and you know get access so we can report the news to all of our readers and viewers out there. Man, as you know, as you pointed out, um, you know, you might have had a core of eight to ten reporters in the old days that covered the Saints on a regular basis, and now there could be as many as a hundred credentialed people there. You go to Twitter and do, do a New Orleans Saints, uh, you know, a New Orleans Saints search, and boy, you get a chance to see just how much information is out there. But what's interesting about when you do that, Nola.com continues to pop up over and over again because that team is just just cranking out so much incredible news about what's happening at training camp and this has been a unique training camp i mean from the start i mean in the lead up to it and now that we're here with a new quarterback and new players and new chemistry that's coming together uh, what's your early read on what you're seeing well you know it's funny you mentioned that because i've I've purposely tried to like limit how much i'm putting out there just because I, i think early on There could be a lot of misleading information. Uh, You know, I think it's good to actually wait and really get a clear evaluation of how players are performing, how the offense and defense is performing. I'm I'm kind of of the belief that less is more uh, early on in camp. I think sometimes we can get a false narrative out there for fans. Matter of fact, I I mentioned it yesterday that I think Mike Thomas has, you know, got a ways to go. And he, he came out and said as much in his press conference the other day with the local media and Dennis Allen has said as much, but I felt like a lot of people were, were putting it out there that he, he looks great. And I, I didn't see that myself. So I, I try to call it like I see it. And also I try to uh, not follow the pack, if you will. And I, I hope readers and viewers value that because I have covered the league 25 years and you do pick up a few things on how to watch a practice uh, after all that time. 
And you wrote the book. <laughs> you you literally wrote the book on the Peyton and Drew Brees era. So you've gone mm-hmm. deep, deep into this offense. The offense is getting tweaked, but it's still very much the same offense. And you, uh, and as we've gotten to know you, as I knew you before, and as we've gotten to know you on this show, you're very much a realist. You're you're gonna when people starting to get their chest you know, sticking out about the Saints, you're 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 going you're gonna say you know there's reason for optimism. But let me just let me just share with you this <laughs> that that drives. The the analogy I always use, Ricky, is I feel like we're we're a sports meteorologist. I'm going to tell you what's coming. Whether it's good or bad, you're going to know what's coming. And I think people value that. I mean, if I I can't be a weatherman and say it's going to be sunny and 70 every day. That might be what you want to hear, but that's not the truth. So I I try to just be real. And I think in the end, that's what people will value. And one of one of you know, there's so many emerging stories. We don't have even the beginning of time to, to get into all that. But if you go back and look throughout Derek Carr's career, he's always had a tremendous chemistry with tight ends. I mean, tight ends are really important to him. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the tight end room that we've got at the at, at the Saints facility now and the growing chemistry between those guys and Derek Carr. That's kind of a sub sub story to this whole training camp, isn't it? Oh yeah. Well, look, Derek Carr's look tremendous. I, I, let me just say right off the bat, he, he looks uh, like he's been in this offense for years. Uh, he doesn't look like a first-year quarterback. And I think he's doing what a good leader does, and that is he's working with all of his weapons, trying to learn uh, their subtleties and nuances and how they run routes, how they catch balls, where they prefer to have the ball on different routes. And it, that's a process, and they're in the middle of it. He's worked a lot with the tight ends, so obviously working with all the receivers. Uh, this is going to take some time. They're not going to step on the field against the Tennessee Titans in week one and be a well-oiled machine. They just have too many new faces on that side of the ball, too many guys coming back from injuries. Uh, and I just think that's going to take some time, but he's trying to accelerate that as quickly as he can, because uh, every day is valuable out here. You know, what's interesting. If you look at, uh, it's always interesting to see the, the national media sort of parachute in, whether it be the NFL network or Fox sports or ESPN, whoever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been reading carefully what they're writing, and one of the things that they are starting to kind of take notice to is the number of weapons that Derek Carr has. It's going to be such a challenge from an offensive coordinator point of view to try to figure out how do you spread the ball out. Yeah, I agree. And I think if you had to ask me right now, week into camp, what the most improved area of the team is, I don't think it's with any question it's the passing attack with Derek Carr, with, with the, the second-year receivers like Chris Olave and Rashid Shaheed, they're going to take a step forward just with more experience. You've got Mike Thomas coming back, and then you've got Jimmy Graham added to the and Foster Moreau added to the tight end core. Uh, there's lots of weapons here. This passing attack is going to be much better. Look, it couldn't be a whole lot worse. It was in the bottom of the league last year, but that's going to be a, a noted improvement. And I can remember back when you know Sean Payton used to talk about it as a play caller, how important it was to keep everybody involved. And that's something Drew Brees was great at, but they purposely had plays designed for each uh, weapon in the perimeter attack just to keep them involved in the game plan each week. So they knew they would, at some point in the game, they would get their number called and it would keep them engaged during the week. 
as they prepare. And I, th- I expect Pete Carmichael to do the same. Well, one of the things, I mean, it was very frustrating last year, you know, a lot of very frustrating. You would, we didn't see the perimeter attack like you're like we're used to seeing. We didn't, we didn't see screens being used as, as often as maybe they used to, but there is literally at the beginning of this camp, you can see that they're really working harder to get, get the receivers and, and uh, running backs and tight ends out in the perimeter more. Yeah, they've got some guys that can do some things with the ball in their hands in space. I think Rashid Jaheed's that one of those main guys. They're trying to get him the ball on the move a lot, on crossing patterns, just sweeps, take advantage of his speed. Uh, look, the league has changed, too, defensively. Uh, you can't really get over the top very often anymore. I mean, people like talk all the time about throwing deep, and uh, you, know, you hear that you know, arm strength and being able to air it out. It just doesn't happen very often. Most teams are playing quarters coverage with two safeties deep. They're preventing the ball from going deep, and they're forcing you to go underneath. So what you need are are playmakers who can run with the ball in their hands and make a a five-yard gain turn into a 50-yard gain. Those guys are hard to find. They're very valued. The San Francisco 49ers offense is completely based on that. Debo Samuel, guys like that. And that's what the Saints, I think, are going to do more of this year that's one of the reasons why I think John Gruden was brought in to kind of incorporate some of that into this offense. It's uh, so interesting. And coming back to the series that you highly recommended, I take a look at it for the listeners to watch the, the series quarterback. And one of the featured quarterbacks is Patrick Mahomes. But when you when you when you watch him, you, you're reminded about how much of their attack is not is not a killer ball down the field. I mean, they might get one every now and then, but for the most part, it's about getting the ball into skill makers, uh, the skill uh, people's hands. And letting them make a play, and that's really defines Kansas City. That's really defines success in the NFL today, doesn't it? Yeah, it's one of the reasons why they were okay with letting Tyreek Hill go. A player as great as Tyreek Hill, uh, his main strength is going deep, and nobody's playing the Kansas City Chiefs that way anymore. No one allows them to get those big plays down the field. I mean, it happens from time to time, but for the most part. They have two safeties back in the parking lot deep, not allowing the ball to get over their heads. They're going to force the Chiefs to go underneath and work their way down the field. That's the way this, people defended the Saints in the last few years under Drew Brees. People used to complain that they weren't getting the deep the deep strike. Well, that's because of the way defenses were playing them uh, late in, in his career. And that's the same way they're doing uh, Patrick Mahomes. And that's the way the league has gone. I mean, Vic Fangio, uh, the great defensive coordinator, used to be with the Saints under Jim Mora. He's basically the architect of that defense, and it's taken over the league, forcing people to change the way they play offense. Once again, a great example of so many, so many leaders, uh, coaching leaders and administrative leaders that have left this organization and gone on to do incredible things with their career. Woo. Hey, Jeff, thank you so much, my friend. God bless you for, for hanging in there with us today. I appreciate you being available to us, and have a have a great day. Stay cool inside the facility today. Will do, Ricky. We'll talk next week. Thanks for having me on, buddy. You bet. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. When we uh, come back, we'll uh, continue the conversation. We'll see you after this. Subscribe for free to the Ricky Matthews Show podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.